Zach Blackerby, Lindsey Crosby here with you. We are now joined by our friends from EAMC, Dr. Joseph Martinez and Stephanie Kendrick. Good morning. How are we doing? Good morning. Good. How's it going? Good. Good. Good to see you guys this morning. So uh, it sounds like you guys did some pretty cool stuff uh, October of, of last year, right? Yeah, so we started uh, the new robotic thoracic surgery program. Um, robotic surgery has been done at East Alabama Health for, for years now. Uh, we, sure. We offer robotic surgery in all forms in terms of GYN surgery, urology, uh, general surgery. Um, but until last fall, uh, we added the newest line to the robotic surgery, which is thoracic surgery, surgery of the chest and the lungs. Sure. So why is this a big deal? Why is this so much more significant than, um, than where we were prior to that? Well, traditionally, and we still do this, traditional open thoracic surgery requires making a bigger incision, uh, and many times that requires removing a rib to be able to make enough working space to get your hands and instruments in there to do the surgery. Um, most of the time this is done for lung cancer or removal of tumors, biopsies, and stuff like that. Um, but as these, the field of surgeries evolved, we've all kind of moved toward a more minimally invasive approach. And the next uh, phase of surgery went into video, video thoracic surgery, mm -hmm. using hand uh, instruments and video cameras to help you to make smaller incisions. And the next part of that evolution is involved into robotic thoracic surgery, where you have even smaller incisions and you're, you're letting a robot help you. You have 3D visualization inside the patient's chest, whereas before it was only 2D, and you have more uh, maneuverability with your hands and the robotic instruments when you're doing these surgeries. So. The, the way you explained it before we turned the microphones on, doctor, was, all right, the patient's kind of over to the side of you, and you're kind of all in on, you know, inside the machine, you know, being able to look at everything, which sounds like a totally different skill set than maybe what you would have done prior to that. Now it's more about can you, can you orchestrate the machine to do what you need it to do. Is that right? That's correct. The machine is an extension of your arms, hands, fingers. Yeah. Um, it, it's, a, it's a tool in the sense that it gives you 3D visualization. Uh, you're obviously you're sitting down at the robotic console looking into the the machine as opposed to standing at the patient's side for hours, however long it takes to do the surgery. So it's better from a physical perspective. It's better from a visualization perspective. It's better from a maneuverability perspective within the patient's body. Uh, the recovery is faster. It cuts the recovery time in half, essentially, and the hospital length of stay in half also. This is the, the nerd in me, but... When you, you, you talk about the 3D visualization, do you have like a large screen or like a wraparound? Do you have like a headset on? Like how does it? You, you put your head into a console and you have two separate cameras on the robotic camera, mm -hmm. uh, which gives you 3D visualization. So you're using both of your eyes as opposed to just a 2D on, on a monitor screen, which is what we used to do before. That is cool. We, so, st we still do that, obviously. Yeah. You, not every patient would qualify for a robotic surgery, so we still do the traditional minimally invasive video, video thoracic surgery. Um, and we also still do the traditional open surgery also. So how, how often do you do the robotic surgery now for, for chest surgeries? It depends on the diagnosis. Sure. Um, so mostly at this point, since we're still developing the program, uh, we're doing more, I hate to say straightforward, you know, quote-unquote straightforward cases, more biopsies yeah. and stuff like that, because we want to develop the team, develop the program, and make sure that the outcomes are good. So how many hours are you, like, putting into being able to, to operate this machinery effectively before you actually move into, you know, being able to do this? I mean, how, how much time went into that? 
So, so I, I mean, I trained in general surgery at UAB, and we did a lot of robotic surgery and general surgery. Sure. And then I did three years of cardiac and thoracic training in Dallas, and we did a lot of robotic surgery there. I mean, so, I, you know, I don't know how many hours I spent doing a, robotic A lot, surgery. though. Yeah, yeah. A lot, exactly. yeah. Sure, sure. And so this is, uh, this is huge because it's the first – is this the first in the area, the first at EAMC? What, what does that look like? It's the first in the area uh, when when it comes specifically to thoracic surgery. Sure, uh, there's been uh, cardiac surgery done before, but the, that's not necessarily something that I want to really go into. This is a whole separate thing. Sure, we're not going to be doing that. Yeah, absolutely. We're joined this morning uh, by our friends at EAMC, Dr. Joseph Martinez and Stephanie Kendrick. We continue our conversation next. Zach and Lindsay joined by our friends at East Alabama Health, Dr. Joseph Martinez and Stephanie Kendrick. We were talking over the break about TAVR and uh, would love to hear more about TAVR, what exactly that all means. So TAVR stands for transcatheter aortic valve replacement. And we really should talk about why uh, anybody would need a TAVR. So it's really to treat a disease called aortic stenosis. And aortic stenosis is calcification of the aortic valve. The aortic valve is one of the two left-sided heart valves. And it's the last valve before the blood exits the heart. It's supposed to allow one direction flow out of the heart not back in so sometimes you've heard of leaky valves that lets the blood flow back into the heart a calcified valve doesn't let it out of the heart so the heart has to overwork to get the blood out of the body and sometimes it can't do that well enough and you start having symptoms of chest pain passing out or heart failure and once you have those symptoms you get diagnosed with aortic stenosis which is calcification of the aortic valve that's when we would talk about doing a TAVR transcatheter aortic valve replacement Okay, and, and so this is, a, this is a new thing at East Alabama. It is a new thing at East Alabama. Um, the first one was done in 2002 in France, and it was FDA approved in the United States in 2011. So it's been around for probably the last decade. Sure. Uh, but most of the, er, the early ones were done in all university settings, and as the FDA has approved uh, more indications for it, more hospitals are doing it. And so we recently started doing this last month here at East Alabama. And that's something where before this it was very much the – traditional kind of open heart surgery where you had to fully expose the heart to do this sort of replacement. So this is significantly more um, or less invasive and significantly shorter recovery time, right? That's absolutely yeah. correct. The The traditional surgery, which has been around for decades, mm-hmm. is open the chest, open the chest bone. Uh, you know, people talk about cracking the chest open. Open yeah. the chest and doing the heart valve replacement that way. It's an open heart surgery. Uh, this is a complete paradigm shift. So if you look at the history of heart surgery, in the 50s, they developed the heart-lung machine where you could stop the heart and start doing open heart surgeries. Fifteen years after that, they did the first heart transplant. A couple of decades after that, we're doing bypass surgeries. But now we're doing valve replacements without even opening the chest, which is akin to a, it's a complete paradigm shift in heart surgery. Mm-hmm. You don't have to open the chest anymore. I mean, not everybody qualifies for this procedure, but if you do, the recovery back to normal life period is within two weeks. Uh, whereas where it was six to eight weeks recovering physical therapy, you can't do heavy lifting to let your chest bone heal. There's no surgery incision. There's no scar. It's two needle punctures in the groin. We slide a valve through the artery and deploy it. And then most patients are home either the next day or the day after. That's wow. incredible. As opposed to six, seven days in the hospital. Sure. Which is a complete paradigm shift. How long does, does this speed up the actual procedure as well? Yes. So, it takes, on average, about an hour, hour and a half. Sure. Um, since, since we just started doing this, we're taking everything kind of slow, obviously. So it'll right. last probably a couple of hours. But over time, this is going to get – the average is about 60 to 90 minutes for the procedure. Okay. 
Yeah, that's incredible. And so this is something where people would have to go to Birmingham or at Atlanta before, but but now you can get that here at East Alabama. That's correct. Um, yeah, so so the procedure, it's, it's just completely different. You don't have to stop the heart. There's no heart-lung machine anymore. Uh, we have all that on standby in case something goes wrong in an emergency situation. Sure. But most, I mean, there's less than a half a percent chance of that happening. And these patients wake up feeling better before they, they go home. Sure. And so, I mean, what kind of impact, I mean, as far as, you know, you being a doctor and serving this community, I mean, this allows you to do that better, I would assume. Absolutely. So, so uh, one of the things about this is that, again, like you said, most of these patients had to go to Birmingham or Atlanta to have this done. And, you know, that may still be the case depending on certain situations, if they're, if they're too high risk or something like that. But this procedure was originally developed for the high-risk, inoperable heart patient. So there's really very few patients that are too high risk to have this done at this point. Sure. And they get better. I mean, it, once you start having symptoms from aortic stenosis, half of those patients are not alive after two years. So and the average age for these patients to have this are between 75 and 82. And so if you can imagine, most of the patients that we see start saying, they come into our clinic, and I've been having these symptoms, shortness of breath. I can't do the things I could do before. Uh, my ankles are swelling. I have some chest pain. I thought it was just because I was getting old, which that you know may be the case. But if you have stenosis, that's completely fixable. Mm-hmm. And once you have symptoms, the average lifespan is 50% of the patients aren't alive after two years. So th- wow. this procedure helps prolong life. It helps improve quality of life, shorter hospital stay. It's just better for the patient. That's huge. So if someone's listening right now and they're they're feeling some of those symptoms and things like that, that's a very simple call to your doctor. Yes. Um, Ask them. They then refer them to you guys. Right. So, so the traditional thing is uh, they'll have a murmur. Right. Almost I mean, everybody has a murmur from a calcified aortic valve. Yeah. And you've heard of so many people that have had murmurs for years or months. Or, you know, I've had a murmur. You know, I but, have one. Uh, what exactly? So it depends on what you have. Four different valves. So there's different reasons to have murmurs. But most patients have murmurs and they have symptoms. And the the classic symptoms are chest pain. Um, almost passing out with activity. You get lightheaded when you start doing stuff. And so most patients learn to temper their activity level to avoid the symptoms over time. Mm-hmm. Um, or they have swelling in their feet, ankles, and shortness of breath with activity. That's from fluid in the lungs, heart failure symptoms. And so once they develop those symptoms, if you have a diagnosis or even if you don't, the primary doc can refer them to us or, or the primary cardiologist that's following the patient's echoes, the echocardiograms, they can refer them to us. Or if the patients just are concerned that they have a murmur, and they have those symptoms, they can just call us directly. You know, we'll work with the primary care doctors. We'll work with the primary cardiologist to get everything done. Uh, but we want to make we want to make it easier for patients to get treated here. We, uh, our mission here at the Heart Valve Center is to provide high quality, compassionate, reliable health care to valve patients here at home. We want to do that here at home. We're joined this morning by our friends from East Alabama Health, Dr. Joseph Martinez and Stephanie Kendrick. We will continue our conversation. Zach Blackerby, Lindsey Crosby here with you. We are joined by our friends at East Alabama Health, Dr. Joseph Martinez and Stephanie Kendrick. And Stephanie, you are the clinic coordinator at the Heart Valve Center over at East Alabama Health. And tell us, uh, tell us about all that that is involved with uh, with the Heart Valve Center. Uh, thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Um, for the valve, Heart and Valve Center, that's a kind of a new development over the last year. The focus is to try to take care of patients that have valvular heart disease. There are lots of different types of valvular heart disease, and we would like to manage all of those. Um, the one that we're most 
particularly interested in right now, as we were talking about earlier, is aortic stenosis mm -hmm. because we've recently developed the TAVR program at East Alabama Health. For a patient to qualify for a TAVR, there is a lot of different testing that's involved to make sure that they're an appropriate candidate for their procedure. And that's my job to make sure that we get all of the appropriate testing done. It's required by the payers and CMS to get this testing done. And plus it, you know, validates whether the patient actually needs the procedure or not. Sure. So um, it normally takes us a couple of weeks, like two to three weeks, to get all the testing done. Mm -hmm. Most of the testing has to be done at the hospital because they require a, a CAT scan to make sure that we know the valvular size and the size of the arteries to make sure that the cannulas will fit appropriately. They have to have pulmonary function tests. They have to have a carotid ultrasound, a heart catheterization to make sure that there aren't other surgeries that might have to be involved at the same time. And then lots of frailty testing and risk scores have to be completed just to kind of try to quantify or qualify their quality of health before and then after. We, we have it set up in a way that those tests, uh, most of them are done on the same day. Correct. Uh, so the lung studies, the carotid study, the CAT scan, all that's done on the same day. The heart cath is done separately because it's a, just a separate procedure that requires sedation. Um, but we try to make it as easy as possible for the patient. Um, and I, I should say that, that this is a team approach. It's the heart Correct. valve center. So it involves Dr. Crow is my partner, uh, heart lung surgeon. Dr. Reams is the interventional cardiologist. So this procedure requires both a heart surgeon and an interventional cardiologist to be performed at the same time. And so it requires everyone to be in the room talking about the patients at the same time. Correct. So every patient that gets referred to us, Dr. Crow, Dr. Reams, myself, we sit in a room, the heart surgeons, the cardiologists are in a room looking at the echoes, looking at the CAT scans, making a team decision about what's right for the patient. Because not every patient um, is suitable for TAVR. Um, some of them require traditional surgery, and some of them require more than just aortic valve treatment. So it's a team approach. And we've spent the last year working on all of these processes, as he was saying, to try to make it as streamlined as possible to, again, you know, limit the amount of visits they have to come to the doctor or to the hospital to try to get them all done at the same time if we could possibly do so. It's wild to me that they spend more time with you as the coordinator who's coordinating all of this care and testing than they actually spend recovering from the procedure. That blows my mind. Yeah, really. That's true. Yeah. What makes somebody not a good candidate for something like TAVR? Because you mentioned that some people qualify, some people can't do it. Like, what should we be looking for as far as if I think this is something that I need? So a reason not to do it would be if your valve's infected. Uh, the the way to treat that is to remove the infection and put right. another valve in. So you don't want to put a valve inside an infected valve already. Right. Another reason not to do it is if the anatomy isn't suitable. So the arteries in the groin, the arteries in the chest have to be big enough to fit the valve as it slides up. Mm -hmm. And so if the arteries are too small and you can't fit a valve in, you, there's no way to get the valve in. So then you require open surgery again. So there's a few different reasons not to do it, but there are very, very few people that wouldn't qualify. Okay. Most people qualify. When you when your team is in that room together and you're kind of discussing you know the the patient is it is it usually pretty pretty clear one way or the other if they're eligible or not? No, sometimes there's a back and forth, and that's what we want. We don't mm -hmm. want uh, we don't want groupthink. We don't want everybody to agree. We want disagreement. We want um, an actual discussion debate on what's right for each patient uh, because we we don't want to get locked into a form of treatment. Right? If, if it's right, then we'll do it. And if it's not, then we won't. And, and if they need to be sent somewhere because they have other things going on, that, that then we'll do that. Sure. 
Guys, we got about a minute or so left. Is there anything else uh, regarding TAVR or uh, the Heart Valve Center that we have not been able to spend a whole lot of time on yet? I think the biggest thing is just it's, it's a change. It's a paradigm shift. It's a mind shift. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I want one of the biggest things to get out is that the, the, this isn't traditional heart surgery anymore. This is non-open, no incision heart surgery. You still get a new valve. You still get the benefits of valve replacement, but you don't have to undergo the physical therapy that you had to do before. And so these patients a lot of times aren't referred because they don't think they can survive heart surgery. That's not, that's not the case anymore. That's awesome. That's fantastic. Guys, thank you so much for your time this morning. Really, really appreciate it. And uh, would love to have you guys back on again soon. Awesome. Thank you very thank much. You. That's Dr. Joseph Martinez and Stephanie Kendrick with East Alabama Health. Uh, and they're uh, the Heart Valve Center. Lindsey Crosby, good show. Good show. Let's do it again tomorrow. I think we should. We'll be back tomorrow at 6 o'clock. Have a fantastic day, everyone, and get back to work.